You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're going to be talking about creating more effective workplace training programs. We're going to look at what makes an effective training program with a focus on those trainings addressing harassment, discrimination, retaliation. Talk a little bit about why trainings fail and how to make them more successful, uh, more successful as an educational tool. It's going to be a really great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners. As I said, today we're talking about creating more effective trainings. And I'm going to start by saying that, in my opinion, I think effective training starts with effective trainers. And taking that further, training in the workplace, at least with regards to preventing discrimination, harassment, retaliation, really needs to be effective. It has to go beyond just educating individual employees as to what's What's illegal conduct? And instead, I think really needs to sort of work more systematically and creating this top-down culture of respect and civility sort of as a means of eliminating unlawful conduct from the workplace. And I always think that we also need to sort of change the workplace dynamic from one that's just a sort of check the box on compliance to one that really recognizes that, especially when it comes to harassing and discriminatory conduct, that it's it's not a gender issue. It's a workplace issue. And as it so happened, uh, April of 2016, that belief, my belief, kind of went mainstream when the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission published its report entitled the Select Task Force Report on the Study of Harassment in the Workplace, which we'll have up on the website so you can take a look at it on our podcast page. But there were a lot of interesting things about this report, but it took a very objective view, the EEOC did, of its efforts over the last 30 years to help prevent discrimination, harassment in the workplace. Now, the EEOC enforces Title VII, which is federal law governing the prevention of harassment, discrimination, retaliatory conduct based on protected classifications. And it validated my thoughts on the effectiveness of anti-harassment training, at least, um, or rather the ineffectiveness of anti-harassment training, um, especially California-mandated trainings, which is mainly that really the status quo just its not working. It's not effective. Just telling employees, don't do this and don't say that, it's just, it's not enough. And standing in front of a group of employees and scaring employers with war stories about these great six-figure settlements and shifty plaintiff's attorneys, and it might inspire a company to hire a particular trainer, but I don't think it does anything to really benefit the business too much or the workplace overall. Because... The fact of it is, you're never going to change a harasser or someone who has a discriminatory animus or retaliatory intentions. But what you can do 
is really create a workplace culture that shines a light on those individuals who really refuse to sort of step up and behave like a professional. Because that's really what you're looking for, more professional behavior in the workplace. This report was really direct and honest, and it stated very clearly, quote, training must change. Um, it goes so far as to say that much of the training done, again, over the last 30 years, has really uh, not worked as a preventative tool when it comes to harassment, discrimination, retaliation. And, and why is that? I think one of the reasons, at least according to the report, and I agree with it, is because up to this point, trainees to prevent harassment um, have really been too focused on compliance, simply avoiding legal liability. So in other words, it's really this CYA mentality is really just not effective in preventing harassment, discrimination, or retaliation. But one of the most powerful statements uh, at the report that it made for me uh was where the EEOC was discussing new and different approaches to preventing harassment, ways that it can be improved. Um, I really like that focus. And I also like this part best because it sort of highlights my views that workplace civility training or business etiquette training, whatever you want to call it, that focuses uh, not on eliminating specific behaviors, behaviors that don't say this and don't do that, but instead really teaches consideration, respect, and honesty as a means to create a really positive work environment and to give workers the tools they need to deal with difficult situations in a constructive way, to handle themselves better. Um, that really promotes positive interactions between everyone in the workforce from the top down. Um, I, I really think that statistics show, well, it's interesting. Statistics show that once someone's exposed to just rudeness in the workplace, okay, just incivility, not saying, you know, thank you, or appreciate you, or great job, or whatever. They're three times less likely to help others, and their willingness to share what they know, who they are, what they bring to the table drops by more than half. That should really blow everyone away, because imagine the effect of that on your corporate team if just one member who was exposed to rudeness or believed they were treated rudely was suddenly three times less likely to help anyone else on the team. Or that same person's willingness to share their knowledge or their expertise dropped by more than half. What a drain on productivity and a total waste of resources. But I kind of digress. I did say I wanted to focus on training. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the major reasons why training programs fail. And I'll give you a few tips on how to create more effective trainings. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm more resourceful than I thought. My suit can still make an impression. My video games are still game changers. And my lamp can bring others a bright future. Because when I donate my stuff to Goodwill, it helps fund job placement and training for people right in my community. Now my stuff gets a second chance. And will give someone in my community a second chance too. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. That's Goodwill.org. This message brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back. We are talking about creating effective workplace trainings. So I think there's really two major reasons why training programs fail. First, I think there's a lack of strategic planning. And what I, by mean, what I mean by that is sort of a failure to really set goals or to develop strategies for actually attaining those goals. And then failure really to consider the corporate culture, the group dynamics, which ultimately leads 
to a failure to meet expectations on the trainee's part, which is going to give you a lack of buy-in, no success on the front line where you need it the most. So it's kind of a domino effect. This idea that you're not thinking about what are our goals, what are the strategies for achieving that, who are we actually talking to. So you really need to to think about that strategic planning, not just, oh gosh, I have you know 20 supervisors who need harassment training. How am I going to get that done? Give it a little more thought. I think the other reason that training programs fail is that most programs, in my mind, are too trainer-centric. And I see that trainer-centric dynamic on two levels. The first is that the training is viewed solely from the trainer's perspective, meaning that it's done at the convenience of the trainer, through the, the comfort zone or the knowledge base of the trainer, which be, can be, in some aspects, kind of limiting. The second level is trainings that are viewed strictly from the company's perspective, where the company considers first and foremost legal compliance, cost, internal, external marketing advantages to, aren't we great, look at us, we do this, or just risk avoidance, litigation avoidance. This focus causes failure because it also leaves out or completely overlooks the key players, the trainees, your employees, the people you need on board the most. Okay, so if that's why trainings fail, I want to switch gears in the last uh, time that we have here together and talk really about ways to create better training programs. First, I think it's really important to realize that harassment, discrimination, retaliatory conduct are not gender-specific issues. They are workplace issues. And that's because they have the potential to affect all workers across the board, regardless of gender. And that's kind of a mind shift um, from where all of that came from to where it is now. And I could talk for another whole show about that, and maybe we'll do that. Secondly, I think you need to evaluate the current work environment. So change that shift in dynamic. It's not a gender issue. It's a workplace issue. And then if it's the workplace issue that we really think it is, let's look at the current work environment. What are the risks? Or what continue to be the risk areas for your organization? Are you seeing harassment, discrimination, abusive behavior? Maybe you've got diversity issues. Or do you have wage and hour issues? Maybe there's retaliation going on in the work. But what are you seeing? In other words, when you look around at your organization, take the temperature. What are you seeing? If you're not sure, maybe your company's been lucky enough to have very few risk issues as far as litigation goes, get some ideas. Uh, talk with in-house counsel uh, or your outside general counsel. See what kind of complaints or lawsuits are trending and, and what they're seeing overall or maybe with some of their other clients. You also want to try to be as realistic as possible. Silently observe your own work environment. Talk with employees at all levels and maybe consider one-on-one -on -one meetings or a confidential survey, uh, maybe ask, asking about wage and hour practices. Be specific. Also, think in terms of providing long-term solutions. So try to curb this immediate CYA or, or check-the-box compliance litigation avoidance mentality. Think about the overall culture and how to improve or enhance it. Because I can tell you that employees understand the difference between a compliance-minded employer, one that's only geared towards covering its own tukas, and one that's geared towards and really interested in making true changes in the workplace through a workplace dynamic impact. Another way to uh, improve trainings is to set goals. 
kind of talked about that a little bit in the beginning, but think ahead about what specifically and generally you're attempting to achieve with the training program you're set out to design. Are you initiating an anti-harassment program or are you just revamping an existing model? And think about not just goals, but controls. Will this program you're developing help make sure that the trainees aren't left behind in the process? Or are you making sure that important steps aren't being overlooked? And then kind of refocus the training dynamic. Again, focus less on the don't do this and don't do that training modules that we see so much of, um, or this just checking the box kind of mentality. Maybe focus instead on professionalism and etiquette. These sort of generally accepted social norms that really take into consideration diversity issues and empowering a more civil work environment. Really send the message that knowing how to get along in today's diverse and intergenerational workplace really is critical for success and meeting the challenges of this completely new millennium that we find ourselves in. And don't forget about buy-in. Training is really going to be the most effective when, of course, you have the highest levels of buy-in. And that is upper management, of course, but also at the employee level. Don't leave the employees out. Don't give them the impression that they're just there so you can say, yes, we've done our California-mandated training, right? Give them more. Give them more. Give them, get some buy-in. Consider some of these things as you plan, right? Stay on target. Deliver what you promise. Maybe you want to vary your training methods. There's a whole uh, pedagogy behind training and teaching that everybody learns differently. And the more you vary your training methods, the way that you teach visually, through written notes, pictures, whatever it might be, graphs, you really ensure that everybody's involved and you get maximum engagement. And then you really want to manage your expectations. So be clear not only on what the goals are at each stage, but also what role the trainee is playing in achieving the overall goals. Again, getting buy-in. Get the employees in on everything. All right, we're coming to the end of our program, and I want to give you just a few final thoughts. There's really no doubt that there's benefits in assuring that everyone whose job it is to carry out and enforce company policies are well-trained. But As I said earlier, statistics are not showing that risk aversion-based training is working to lower instances of, for example, harassment, discrimination, and retaliation in the workplace. And if those are failing, then it's likely that the same things could be said for your diversity programs or your wage and hour training, which also heavily impact the workplace. And truly, a watershed change really needs to take place. I think training is just the perfect starting or a starting over point to kind of begin that change. Gender-neutral, etiquette-based training programs that really, again, focus on this overall workplace environment are really a more likely avenue, I think, towards stemming workplace complaints when it comes to unprofessional behavior. And finally, always keep in mind, training is intended to help people understand workplace boundaries and to lay the foundation for professional and acceptable workplace behavior. Well, That's our show for today, and here's our challenge. We want to hear from you. So for your next training session, try incorporating some of the tips that we talked about today and then send us an email to perspective at sapphirelegal.com and tell us about your experience. 
I want to thank our listeners for today, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar.